Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. And welcome back. Afternoon drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. MileEyeSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale loan to the public, go to RMFP.com. Time now for the lead. The lead is presented by Smoke and Dave's Barbecue and Brew, Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Go get some tonight in Denver, Centennial, Longmont, Lions, and Estes Park. Okay, we are heading into the final week of the NFL season. Are you finding it difficult to truly predict who you believe is going to go to the Super Bowl? Yes. It's almost impossible. impossible. And I was looking at odds of, you know, who might win the Super Bowl. And I think they have the Rams at plus 950. And I'm thinking, why wouldn't I drop 100 bucks on that? Mm-hmm. The, the Rams are streaky, I get it. But their defense is so stinking good with so much talent. Who's to say they can't make a run? But then I'm thinking, oh, man, what if Derrick Henry comes back? And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. Well, what if Patrick Mahomes does goes Patrick Mahomes and then the Chiefs defense is as good as it has been at the end of the season? But what about Josh Allen? Man, if this guy gets on. And oh, oh, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. What if Green Bay finally breaks through after, right. after banging on the door for years upon years ever since their last Super Bowl win? What if they finally, as Bum Philbus might say, kick, kick the door in? There is no yeah. overwhelming favorite. I mean, you look at Tampa Bay. I'm sorry. I know that they have some injuries, but they still have Tom Brady. Yes. I get that. Dallas, their defense is legit. But Kyler Murray just... Diced it up last week. And and Ky- Arizona, and, but and, Kyler Murray is looking like garbage, and so have the, the Cardinals. This and yet season. they played great last Sunday. Right. So who's to say that they didn't and all and that they didn't just all of a sudden stop the winning and they're getting JJ Watt back. Right. They're they've they've made they designated him for return from injured reserve. I mean, I look at San Francisco, I'm like, man, that, that's gonna be an easy out right there. But then I'm like, wait a minute. Um th- they had a pretty good run with Kyle Shanahan, didn't they? Mm-hmm. In right? the playoffs, and they went and to and they went to the what? Super Bowl, right? So you're going to count him out? I don't know. They can run the ball and they can play defense, and running in defense travels. Right. You can do that. You can win on the road with what the, the Niners have. Literally, and if if you're in the tournament, you've got a shot. I mean, you've got the Chargers and Raiders playing for one spot, right? The Raiders just went to Indianapolis and beat a hot Colts team, right? The Chargers have a quarterback who can light it up. Very well, could be the equal of any of any great quarterback right. in this playoff field. Right. Either one of them, you, you can't dismiss them getting hot and and rolling through the playoffs. Right. I mean, you it's, you it's look absurd. at a you look at a potential matchup. A uh, what? So if the way the playoffs would be right now, let's say the season ends today, the Chiefs would take on the Chargers, right? What a fun game that would be. Okay. Bengals, Colts. Wow. So Backyard brawl right there. So you're, but, but you're thinking to yourself, okay, look at Joe Burrow. Look at Jamar Chase. Well, if Jonathan Taylor plays keep away, 
Um, I'm not so sure Burrow's going to get a chance to do much. And and, our, and got some great defensive players on the Colts as well. How would you like to see Buffalo and New England as an opening round game? I think Buffalo would be hoping and praying that uh, the winds were calm because that when they played in relatively benign conditions in Foxborough in the rematch, it was a much different game. Clearly, the Patriots won that Monday night game because they schemed for the weather better than the Bills did. But if you've got a game where weather isn't a factor, Buffalo is the better team. You know they want that. On a personal note, as you look at these standings, you don't have a personal interest in any of these teams with the exception of, obviously, Tampa. Right. Okay. But do you know anyone who has a genuine rooting interest for any of these teams? For the Packers, I know a bunch of people. Okay. Right. Okay, your family. With me, I'm looking at them like, wow, Tennessee, my cousin lives there. Mm-hmm. Vanderbilt grad, Vanderbilt grad for law school as well, season tickets. Okay. My, my my best man at my wedding, Chiefs fan. Cincinnati Bengals. Remember I told you about my cousin who lives in Tennessee? Yeah. Okay. His sister lives in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Okay. Huge Bengals fan. Who's next on the list? The Bills. The mother of my two cousins, brother and sister. My, bro- my two cousins grew up in Buffalo. Well, you've gotten a, he- a lot of connections in Buffalo. So my aunt is rooting for the Bills. Then, a good friend of mine, Dennis, who's standing up for the wedding, Bills fan and Patriots fan, because he's from the from that area. Wait, he's a Bills and Patriots fan? He's more. He grew up in Boston, but he covered the Bills with me when I covered the Bills. So who's he cheering for now? Bills. Okay. Bills. So he's Bills Mafia. No question. <laughs> but then I have my father. Best, on, best name for a fan base in the NFL. And then I have my father on the other side as the Packers fan. Mm-hmm. Did I ever tell you that? Um, I think this might have been before we did the show together. So none of us know Chargers. Oh, no. I know a Chargers fan if they get in. Do you? I know somebody who stuck with the team after they There's left San like Diego. There's only three people. Who I know, Chargers and fans. I know one of them. <laughs> right. I think it was a couple years ago when the Packers played the Niners in the <laughs> NFC Championship game. Yeah. In in the Bay Area, if that's what you want to call it. Absolute butt kicking, yes. Well, <clears throat> I remember there was five minutes to go in the division game where the Packers were playing. I can't remember who they were playing. Do you remember who they were playing? You probably do. Viking, uh, the, the Packers were playing, or the Niners played the Vikings. Yep. The Packers, I, I want to say they played the Seahawks. Okay. With that, right. five minutes to go in the game. As they were getting ready to go to the NFC Championship game, I called my father. I said, how would you like to go to the game in San Francisco? Wow. He goes, well, it's an expensive trip. I said, I'll take care of it. Tickets, airfare, hotel, everything. Oh, wow. I'll take care of everything for you. He goes to Eric, it's going to be an expensive trip. I said, Dad, if I couldn't do it, I wouldn't offer. I said, I'm not going, but you're going to go on your own if you want to go. So did he take it? He did. The tickets were really good. The game was miserable. Awful. I was that was the game where the Niners ran like, 50 times. It was, just, I'm watching that yeah. game, feeling his pain. I think he left probably three, four, five minutes after the fourth quarter started. There was just no reason to stay. When you th- That's one reason why like teams want to develop the running game because when it works yeah. and the, other, the, the opponent knows you're going to run yep. but can't stop it, yep. that is the most helpless feeling in football. Yeah. 
You know they're going to run. They're running it down your throat. You're stacking the box. Right. And you literally are powerless to resist. Right. That that game, I won't I forget what the score was. It like was it like thirty something to seven or something like that? It might as well have been right. seventy three to nothing the way that game felt. I mean, for me, in in a perfect world, it would be the Packers against the Bills. Because my father just turned eighty, right? Mm-hmm. And his sister, my aunt, she's a big she's a huge Bills fan. Mm. They just sent me my father was there over over New Year's and they sent me a picture where he's in his Packers jersey and she is in her Bills jersey. Which player does she have? Uh oh it's it's Alan. Okay. It's Alan. Um, she went contemporary. Didn't go for. Yeah, let me see. Didn't go for like Bruce Smith or no Jim Kelly. No Steve Tasker is a great choice. Great choice. Yeah. But I'm looking at these teams. Teams that I've covered. I covered the Chiefs. Covered the Bills. I would love to see the Bills and the uh, and the Packers just for my aunt and uncle or for my father and my aunt. That'd be something. I wouldn't mind seeing the Bills win the Super Bowl just because they've be never won. They've never won at all. It would be great. And it would be great. You know, I'm I'm also a. Uh, I, I'm also a big fan of the people who, who run that. I got to know Brandon Bean, their GM, a little bit when I worked in Carolina, and he was there. And right. uh, uh, they're just—they they have good people at the helm of that ship. Right. And uh, I'd like to see them succeed. Coming up after the break, there was a time when we in the media referred to Houston as Denver South. It seemed like a lot of Broncos <laughs> were going down there, and then some guys were coming up here. And now that has changed a little bit, where if you look at the last 10 years or so, Chicago has become Denver East. And one of those guys who came from Chicago, Vic Fangio, of course, Kyle Orton, who went to the Bears, John Fox, Jay Cutler, Brandon Marshall, amongst many others. Adam Gase first season. Right. Who got the worst end? When you look at the last 10 plus years, the Bears, do they get the worst end of our guys or do we get the worst end of their guys? This could be a fun discussion. That's next. Billboard, baby, do a leap and make them dance when it come on. Everybody looking for a dance, throw the run on. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman, Mason, watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Maze Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for the buzz. The buzz is presented by Rocky Mountain Forest Products, where they specialize in wholesale lumber to the public. Go to Rocky Mountain Forest Products in Wheat Ridge or go to rmfp.com. As we talked about going into the break, there was a time when Mike Shanahan was the head coach that Houston essentially became Denver South. After Gary Kubiak got there. Right. Rick Smith used to be with the Broncos, and he became their GM. It seemed like a lot of players and coaches and staff were flowing back and forth. Yeah. Nick Ferguson. Right. Ron Dane actually had, ended right. up down there. But you can just go down the list, and a lot of people 
uh, end up going back and forth. In but days. when it comes to more significant guys, and I do believe more significant, the the trading partner, the the two lane highway going to Chicago and back to Denver has been busy with bigger name guys. Mm-hmm. Vic Fangio came to Denver, their defensive coordinator. Kyle Orton, their starting quarterback, came here, of course, in a trade for Jay Cutler. Then Brandon Marshall went to Chicago. John Fox, who led the Broncos to a Super Bowl, went to Chicago. When you add up Fangio and Orton, Fox, Cutler, and Brandon Marshall, who got the worst end of the bargain? If you just want to use those five guys, or do you want to add anybody else? Because Bryce Callahan. We'll throw him into the Broncos. That's a good one. There, that's a good one. He, he struggled with health, but... How about he, Fuller? When he's healthy, let's Throwing throw Fuller. him in as well. Yeah, but we know Bryce Callahan has been damn good. Kyle Fuller, uh, not not so much. Right. So who got the worst end of it? I mean, this is tough. This is real. This is really tough. I, I'm going to say that the Bears got the worst end of it slightly, and I am because of what they gave up for Cutler. for Cutler. That's where I was going to go to. The Broncos didn't maximize what the return on that trade. Oh God, no! But the they Bears that up. But the Bears gave up a lot. Gave up basically two years of high draft choices to get Jay Cutler in back in '09. It was a blockbuster deal. And you know what? When it comes to Cutler. When you talk about who got the worst end as far as starting quarterbacks, mm-hmm. Orton wasn't very good. But again, when you go to what the Bears gave up for Cutler and he won a single playoff game, if I'm not mistaken, won a single playoff game, he wasn't worth the price. Right. He wasn't yeah. worth the price. Brandon Marshall was good with the Bears. John Fox, I mean, that was a no-win situation. A lot, of, a lot of Foxy's coaches went with him. Yeah. Now, you can make the case, the Broncos and Bears are going to be forever linked moving forward because of Justin Fields. Right? Right. And, right, and the Broncos pa- passing on Fields. And not only that, again, passing on an offer that included the Bears' 2022 first-round pick. And that is something that matters as well because – it's not simply the Broncos have Pat Sertan instead of Justin Fields. Right? They would never would have gotten Sertan if they made that trade. Right. They probably you're probably looking not at, even close. You're probably looking at some at uh, you might be you might be uh, looking at a cornerback like Newsom who end up going to the uh, the Browns. Maybe we don't know who it would. We have don't been. know who it would have been, but at the same time, in looking at where things stand right now, like where the Broncos are. They would have the, their own pick, pick 11, and pick 8 if they had taken that deal from Chicago. Right. But they wouldn't have Pat Sertan. Correct. But here's the thing. Pick 8 and pick 11. Is there a quarterback you're really dying to have to trade those two picks to move up? Well, that's where... And so yeah, you, so you, if the answer... Yeah. Hold on. If the answer is no, then you shouldn't have made the trade because you got Sertan. At the same time, Unless you're saying what we talked about earlier, trade for you trade one of those picks to get down, trade down, get more capital for next year, and do you then say, okay, we're going to hang on to this other one and pick one of these 
premium edge rushers because it's not it's not just Hutchinson and Thibodeau. It's deep on edge rushers, and it's even deep on corners as you get into pick eight, pick nine, pick ten, pick eleven. So you might you you might like for example, let's live in a hypothetical here. You wouldn't have Pat Sertan, but you if you'd made that trade, you might have two first round picks. Maybe trade one to get more capital for twenty three, twenty three, and you pick a Derek Stingley out of LSU, who's a great prospect too. Here, let's put something. It's a, again, you you're, you could really go down the rabbit hole on this. If you don't have Pat Sertan on the roster, you are looking at next season and saying we have Darby, and that's pretty much it. You'd probably again. That's why you'd probably pick Stingley if you were in that scenario. Well, well, you do. Yeah. Okay. You do, and we have no idea of who George would have picked at twenty would have even worked out. We do know he hit a home run, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to take a home run off the board because that's what they have. I'm not in in, in okay. I'll but it ask- does mean that you may have to, if if you're thinking long term, if you're thinking. I like the QBs better in twenty three than in twenty two. You do, but everyone's thinking the same thing. You, but you, you're, you're not alone in thinking. You're not alone hey, in let's thinking stock that. Up for but you might be thinking, all right, we have to sacrifice some capital for this year. And it is a very good defensive draft, in particular, in round one. You might have to sacrifice capital to be in position to where you have a shot at making a deal to get a quarterback so, in twenty three. So I'll ask you. You can have the eighth pick and the eighth pick and the eleventh pick, mm-hmm. and you have no idea whoever you picked last year would work out. Or you have a home run on the board. Are you going to take the home run off the board? Because it's a home, it's not triple, it's a home run. Back then, you could say how good Sertan going to be. It's a home run. It's a home run. So you're going to take a home run off the board and risk it not only with whoever George would have picked at twenty. Okay, but then what's he going to do with eight or 11? Not to suggest he's not good at drafting, not to suggest he doesn't have a good eye for talent, but you can make the case. You can make the case that Pat Sertan is the by far, not I shouldn't say by far. Mm -hmm. You can say very close to unanimously the second best defensive player in the draft. The reason why I will actually keep Sertan is this. I do believe, even though, again, they may say, let's wait until 23. I do believe they can identify one QB out of this class who stands head and shoulders above the rest. We're still in the gathering information process. As we've talked about, these guys, they're, basic, they're all going to be down at the Senior Bowl. You're going to get to see them go back to going back to back reps you're going to get the compare and contrast between Howell and Carson Strong and Kenny Pickett and Malik Will, Will Willis the only one who won't be there is Corral but you've gotten your eye on him in person already you ought to be able to identify one of these guys and assuming Washington beats the Giants their favorite to win on Sunday and you lose on Saturday you have the 10th overall pick Maybe you have to move up a little bit to ensure you get QB1. You could do but that. I think you can identify one of these guys to say, let's, especially if you have a new coaching staff, new offense, maybe you got an offensive mind to head coach or you've got a whiz OC, say, we're going to get who we want and we're going to build long term around this 
player's skill set. I think there is enough uncertainty about who's the best quarterback in this draft that with that uncertainty, you can move a team out of their spot in the top 10 if you give them a good enough offer. Like, let's say... Let's say Matt Corral is the guy, right? They decide Matt Corral is the guy that we have to have. I think you can make a deal right. to get to pick five or six. That's right. Because I don't and think guarantee I, yourself QB one. Right, and that's what I mean. There's no, there's no surefire number one guy. Mm-hmm. So if you offer something spicy enough, mm-hmm. I think the unless that team feels, oh my God, this is our guy. But I don't think you're going to get that. And there's something to be said if you do that. That's also the signal of organizational commitment. You're all you're all in, and so you instead of waiting until the second round and somebody falls and let's see if he blossoms, you're going. You're saying we are going all in around this young man right. as our future. I think if, if I think they will and, take a quarterback in the first round. I think George will almost have to force himself to fall in love with somebody. Unless he's just so dismayed. But here's the thing. Here, it, let it's me not look. just George Payton, though. It's whoever ends up as head coach, if he's offensive-minded, or whoever ends up as the OC. Here, here's and some- that, that the opinion of that coach is going of those coaches potentially is going to weigh heavily. And that's why it's interesting to see. What type of if they end up moving on from Fangio over the weekend? What type of head coach and OC they get in? Because if it's somebody who does favor a quarterback with some mobility, who has the running tool in the drawer, then the conversation gets longer about a Corral or Malik Willis. Here's something else, okay? And let's be quick because we have to hit a break. If Justin Fields was in the draft this year, would he be the number one pick? Overall, or number or QB one, QB one, it'd be a it'd be a coin flip between him and Corral, I think. Okay, and what about Mac Jones? I think Corral will go ahead, of Mac Jones. Okay, so with that, we know that Peyton wasn't crazy about Jones or mm-hmm. Fields. So if he's not crazy about either of those guys, and he can have them, you almost have to wonder how crazy is it going to be about any of these guys. But he might feel differently he about. Might. That's the thing. He might he feel might. differently about Matt Corral. He might. Or I mean, again, you get these guys. That's why it's gonna be fascinating to have five of these guys in the same place. Because and, then, and the knock on Corral is what? Knock on knock on Corral is he has a huge schematic transition coming from Mississippi to the NFL. Well, well d- define schematic. Meaning yeah. what? It's it, it's a different system. He's gonna it's it's well it's not only completely different. He's gonna have to learn a, a lot of pre snap checks. Like for example, Carson Strong has a lot of experience with diagnosing things pre snap because that's what Jay Norvell puts on his QBs. Carson Strong would be QB one if it wasn't for the knee. The important thing for Carson Strong probably isn't mobile. It's the medicals in Indianapolis at the combine. Coming up after the break, I don't know if you get HBO, but there. Coming out with a series in March called Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty. And this thing is star-studded. The cast is unbelievable. The people putting this together, rich history of great work. And Magic Johnson says, no way I'm watching this thing because I lived it. We'll talk about what this is about because this is going to be a great series. We'll talk about that next. Running out of time 
Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason, watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed. At Mace Denver, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending is presented by Optimum Golf. Take your game to the next level this offseason at Denver's best indoor virtual facility in the Park Hill and Rhino neighborhoods. Book your tee time today at theoptimumgolf.com. Okay, HBO is producing a series called Winning Time. The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty, it's going to air in March, is a series. It's based on Jeff Perlman's book, Showtime, Magic, Kareem, Riley, and the L.A. Lakers. The executive producer has some serious chops, a guy by the name of Adam McKay. His previous credits include directing The Big Short, which was a great movie, Vice, political, but a great movie. And he was also the head writer for Saturday Night Live, Co-wrote and directed Anchorman and Talladega Nights. So you know he's got a good sense of humor. That's where he likes to go. The ensemble cast, excellent. Uh, John C. Riley, Adrian Brody, Sally Field, Jason Segal. Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul asked if they're going to... Jabbar asked if they're going to watch the series. Magic said, no, I lived it. I'm not going to watch it. I'll just say this before you pipe in. Very rarely does HBO put garbage on television, whether it's documentaries or series. When they put together a production, I don't know, kind of like The Sopranos Mm -hmm. and, uh, I don't know, Sex in the City. Not that that's the show I watch. Curb Your Enthusiasm. Right. They put together... There aren't many John from Cincinnati's on HBO. They don't miss very often. No. And when you have Adam McKay involved in this, who has some serious chops in this mm-hmm. or you know in his career and a great cast this is going to be great you're going to watch it yes oh yeah absolutely you kidding have you seen the preview yeah it's hilarious it's right yeah. it's hilarious and it's really well done it's very 70s ish it's great it's fantastic with that is there a denver sports team or a moment that would make a great series it's funny because our, our friend Terry Fry wrote a book about the 1977 Broncos. Okay. Starting with literally the team at the end of 1976 having a mutiny and forcing John Ralston to resign as head coach. Okay. And you think about like that it was the 70s, so you had personalities like Lyle Alzado. Right. Larger than you have some quiet guys like, you know, you have Randy Gratishar, quiet, stellar player, but you have a larger than life personality like Lal Alzado. But remember, you've got the redemption stories on, and all on. that. You remember, you're doing a series or a movie. Can't be just Lyle Alzado. No. Now, if you want to do a story on his life, fighting Muhammad Ali and all the stuff he yeah. did on the field, yes, he makes a good story. But, but the, the stories are more interesting, I think, back then than they are today. What's gonna... It's a little bit, lo- little bit looser. It's more. It's, it's more. You know, players kind of hung out in different ways. No, you got to sell to me better than yeah. this. You got to sell to me better. That's than this. well. That, now, that's, that's not that's something the, I'd watch. 
What would you watch then, Mister Salesman? You tell me. There's not. There are not many options. Yes, yeah, but, so, but if I had, yeah, you're limiting it to Denver. I don't think there's. I don't no, think, I'm limiting it to Denver. I don't think there's a Denver team that really moves the needle on this. I think there is. What? Tebow mania. Uh, no. Would be. Well, no, I lived that. No way. No, well, I know you lived it. I was here. And you know what? Magic Johnson said he's not going to watch this. You know why? Because he lived it. I'm saying that's, but that's that's interesting because of all the stuff outside. That's that's interesting because of Correct. the fervency. But it's not the, about the team. It's not about the. It's not about the Broncos. It's interesting no, it's as a, a it's social. All- as a social political thing, it's all encompassing. No, I disagree with you on, hold on this. I'll tell you why it's all encompassing. Because who drafted him? You could do a two a two part series just on Josh McDaniels. So you have that knucklehead drafting T-Bone, which everybody is criticizing him, blows an entire draft, starts six and zero, right? Then you have. The, the the complete how McDaniel's treats everybody in the building. Then you have Tebow. Well, then maybe we should be doing the story on on Josh McDaniel's. Then it's it's the whole. Well, wait a minute. I can tell you right now, winning time just isn't about Magic Johnson. the The main character is Jerry Buss. Okay, so it you're bringing in a lot of different people. I'm not listen. If you want to watch your '77 Broncos movie, knock yourself out. What I'm saying is, Lilo Zeta is a great character, but you got to have more than that because then you have people basically, and I, I say this you know metaphorically, but there might as well have been people standing outside of Dove Valley with pitchforks and torches wanting Tim Tebow. And just as loudly, you had people on the other side of the street yelling, the guy's terrible. So you had fans involved. McDaniels is a jerk. Tebow, quite frankly, sorry to break the news to everybody, not as philanthropic in Denver as everybody thought. The other thing is also, but, but, he, he, I he's pe- also the least interesting character in all of this, and yet he's at the center of it. Well, not when he's not when he's running in the rain and he has his shirt off and he always wants to be the one winning sprints. I'll tell you what I'd like to get out. Tebow was not as generous in Denver as everybody thought he was. He was a fraud when it came to that. He was good at doing stuff outside of Denver. Ask anybody inside the Broncos organization, and you were part of it, how philanthropic Tim Tebow was in the Denver community, what would they say? Not much. Right. But how did he present himself? <laughs> Mr. Philanthropy. He did stuff. And listen, philanthropy is philanthropy. Don't get me wrong. It's great. And, and oh, by the way, you want him to uh, to be a keynote speaker? Oh, you, you didn't pay like a few bucks. Oh, thousands upon that. Tens of thousands of dollars. Right. Yes. Right. Um, right. It was Tebow Inc. Correct. At the time. That but would, that's what I. But the thing and is, that would make a great movie. But the thing about it is, like, the problem is, like, he, the central figure is Tim Tebow, and and in this in this opera, he he would be the most, he would be the the worst character, the blandest individual character. It's okay because everything surrounding it was such a circus; it'd be worth watching. See, I think, but I think the the interesting parts of that are kind of floating away from that. That's whereas at least with the Lakers. We're focused kind of on the it's focused kind of on the core of it, right? The owner, the co- the right. owner, the coaches, because right. it's not only Pat Riley, it's Paul Westhead too, right? Because he was there, and then a few play, and then a handful of players. I agree. Whereas the most interesting the the most interesting aspects of Tebow mania were it was 
the public debate and the media debate. I mean, it, it, it lends itself more to a documentary on kind of the, on the intersection of, of, of sports, politics, right. religion. Right. More I, than, I, I, all, all I, I would watch that more than I would watch a series based on that. I understand that. We don't have a lot of choices here in right. Denver. That's what I thought of. But I think it's better than just a, you know, a one-trick pony, Lyle Alzado, who is his own movie. I'm, I don't know what happened in that locker room in 1977. I mean, you literally had a coach who would get bloody noses in practices from ta- from demonstrating how to tackle. Right. I mean, it, what would be another, I suppose, good story? The Rockies run in 2007. But they didn't have a whole bunch of inst- interesting characters. Ryan Spielborgs was probably the, the most interesting guy in that locker room. Mm-hmm. Other than that, there, there was nobody that you interviewed. You're like, wow, this guy's a real character. They didn't have any of those guys. You know who, you Actually, know, they you did. know what team they had, had one guy. Yeah. They had one guy and uh, Dragon Slayer. What the hell was his name? I covered him with the... With the Taz uh, Matsui? No. no. He was a pitcher. I covered him with the White Sox. Aaron Cook? No. God, what the hell's his name? Do you remember his uh, name, Danny? No, I can't recall. Actually, if we're talking about like interesting personalities, yeah. no fly zone. That'd be something. That'd be great. I, I would watch a yep. series. I would watch a series on the just on the no fly zone. Yep, I would agree. I think I mean, that would be a very are, Josh Fogg. Josh Fogg, the Dragon Slayer. Yeah, that's right. Yep. The no the no fly zone. Yep, that'd inter- be awesome. The personalities of a quartet yep. in sports. Their personalities were the closest thing I've seen in sports to the four personalities of the Beatles yeah. together. Well, yeah, yes. I'll, I'll, like I'll, in terms of like you could say, there's the quiet one. Yeah, D- Darian yeah. Stewart had no personality. Yeah. He, Zero. He's the quiet one. Beyond quiet. Yeah. He's the guy with the duct tape on his mouth. Nice guy. But, he, but, no. you, always, but you always have one, the, the, the quiet guy who, who, the quiet person who made big plays on the field. Like you could, he, he was quiet, but you couldn't have had no fly. It wouldn't have been the same without him. Right. And he was, the, and the, he was actually the final guy that came in. And what? then you have your Chris Harris and Paul and uh, Keith Tlaib. They're your, they're your John and your Paul. What do we have coming up on Mountain High Appliance? Well, I shouldn't say that. What do we have coming up on just on just in case you missed it? The college football playoff could be coming to one of the hottest host cities in all of sports in the future. And also the uh, Avalanche taking on the Maple Leafs tomorrow night. We'll get into that on the other side right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason on Mile High Sports. Mm-hmm. You know we finally here, right? Well, we... It's Friday then, it's Saturday, Sunday. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products. Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. Time now for the final word. The final word. 
presented by Greenfields Pool and Sports Bar in Lakewood. Greenfields has everything under one roof, including the best happy hour in town. Two-for-one wine, well, and drafts from 3 until 7 p.m. Just in case you missed it. Tomorrow, the Toronto Maple Leafs in town taking on the Colorado Avalanche. And uh, both teams sport a young star, a rising star in the NHL. Austin Matthews for the Maple Leafs is sixth in the NHL with 20 goals this season. 24-year-old center and the Avs, we talked about him a couple times this week. Kale McCarr, 23-year-old defenseman and he brings it on the offensive end as well. Who would you rather have, Matthews or McCarr? With all respect to Matthews, McCarr doing what doing what he is he, he is doing so far as a defenseman, he's more of a unicorn than Austin Matthews is. So I'll take McCarr. It's almost impossible to find a defenseman that can do what he does. You can find centers who can do right. what Matthews does. Does kind of like I don't know Nathan McKinnon. I mean, McCarr McCarr is generate. Matthews is excellent. McCarr is generational at what he does. Well, it's because he plays in position yeah. that isn't known for offense. Right, that's what I mean. He, again, right. w- what is harder to find? It's what ca- it's harder to find a Kale McCarr than Austin Matthews. Right. Kind of like it's harder to find a seven foot center who passes like a point guard. Yes, exactly. And we've got one of those here in, in the city as well, so pretty fortunate. <laughs> uh, just in case you missed it, the college football playoff potentially coming to Las Vegas and Miami for the national championship. Vegas seems to be the hot spot for any sporting event of note these days, but is it, but is it a bad match for two teams of college kids? Well, if they're underage, they can't get, they can't, you know, gamble anyway, right? They can't. Well, technically, they can't. I'm sure they'll try to sneak out and have a little bit of fun. Yeah. Well. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You can do a lot of things there. Remember, there are cameras everywhere. Yes. Exactly. Uh, unlike other places where there aren't cameras everywhere, there are cameras everywhere. There. I mean, the thing with Vegas, and is they wouldn't be staying at a casino. Yeah. They'd be staying at a hotel. Yeah. And there are some hotels without casinos attached there. That's probably where they'd stay. It would be great for the fans. And the, the one thing about Vegas, as far as an event like that, and then when they get the Super Bowl here in a couple of years, there is enough hotel space in Las Vegas to easily handle the, th- the tens of thousands of people who are descending upon the city for the game, and, and, and not maybe not without tickets, just to kind of marinate in it all. And so I think it's, it's kind of inevitable that it ends up in Vegas. Because of how it can handle an event like that, it'll do well. But yes, players uh, will be sequestered. I was thinking about something else when you mentioned Austin Matthews, how he has twenty goals and you know fourteen assists. I mean, that's impressive. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to argue that. But um, I don't know. Um, Nico Rantanen is one year older than him and has mm-hmm. uh, far more points. The, the the Abs are just loaded with young talent. Mm-hmm. They have Matthews, which is great. And the Avs have McCarr, who's young, and McKinnon, who's young, mm-hmm. and Ratton, who's young, and yeah. then, then throwing a whole bunch of other guys. Bo Byram's young. They're just loaded. They have him. Avs have all these guys. Just in case you missed it, Legion Hoops tweeted yesterday, just as we were ending our show, quote, this is wild. Markeith Morris has yeah. missed 30 straight games for the Heat since he got whiplash from his scuffle with Nikola Jokic on November 8th. 
Sheesh. Which Markeith quoted, quote tweeted that saying, quote, ain't bleep wild about it. It's a real injury. Imagine having a 300-pound sloppy fat boy run full speed and make direct contact with your spine. I'll be back soon, like I said. Looking back on the incident two months later and uh, seeing Markeith Morris is still very angry about this, what do you think about the whole situation? For for starters, um, Nikola Jokic is the furthest thing from a sloppy sloppy fat guy but this is the perception that he fights right because two years ago that might have been accurate and again at the risk of making this about race you wouldn't say that about a black player you wouldn't call him sloppy and fat you might call him fat you might give him the nickname tiny but you wouldn't call him sloppy fat he might as well he might as well have just said sloppy fat white boy well to kind of illustrate what you said it's not a racial thing remember hot plate williams john john williams yeah Remember uh, Dinner Bell, Mel Turpin? Yeah, yeah. Dinner Bell, Mel Turpin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> got nicknames like that, but didn't but didn't have that sort of what right. you're saying Again. about Nicole Yoke. William the Refrigerator Perry, his nickname was Biscuit because they said he was one biscuit short of 300 pounds, which is ironic because it seems like everybody's over 300 pounds How in did, the NFL. Then you were in Buffalo. How did Cornelius Bennett get a nickname Biscuit? Totally different. Yeah, I thought so. Right. Definitely, was, because, because was that, guy was, that, guy was, that guy was ripped. He was nowhere near yeah. 300 pounds. No, back back in 1985, I think William Perry was the first player to be over 300 pounds. Yeah. And now, although, although he was put, yeah, like you said, biscuit shy of 400, he was he he was pushing into different territory. Right. You know what? Here, well, I'm not going to go there. I'll tell you after the show. You know, he Morris got put out for 30 games by a fat white boy. Period. And that's embarrassing to him and his and his guys, right? Yeah, don't uh, don't start something if you can't finish it. Right. Well, he did. Well, Morris he did start it. it. Yeah. yeah, and he got what he deserved. He did. Yeah. Don't start till you get enough. Uh, just in case you missed it, all divisional games in the NFL this weekend. There's still some room for movement in the playoff picture. Only Green Bay has locked in that one seed in the bye in the NFC. What's the best matchup of NFL's inaugural Week 18? You've basically got a playoff game with the Chargers and the Raiders coming up on Sunday night. Although there's the wild scenario that if the Colts get upset by the Jaguars, that the Raiders and Chargers could tie and both advance. They've the players have been this my whole life. Yeah, the players have been asked about this. They've said no, we're not going to go out and take a knee for sixty minutes and then ten minutes after that and both advance. But. That'd be hilarious if they did. Rams can knock the Niners out, can't they? Oh, they can. Yeah. So there's, there's and, a good game. And you've got, at the same time, you have the Saints playing the Falcons. Yep. So Saints win, Niners, Niners lose, Saints advance to the postseason. Yep. But when you've got basically a playoff game between the Raiders and Chargers, two division rivals. Who do you want to win? You know what? I want to. See, I actually want to see the Raiders win. Oh, I'm I, I on the other side. Rick Rich Bisaccia. I like the Chargers. Yeah, I think the I like Chargers, Justin Herbert. I yeah. like Brandon Staley. I think the Chargers will win. I think Rich Bisaccia getting the Raiders to the playoffs as an interim coach with everything that's gone on with that team. I think that'd be a great story. Although I'm very disappointed that they didn't cut Nate Hobbs after the DUI this week. I'd like to see the Raiders because I like Derek Carr. Pritch and I are friends. I would love to be able to see him cover a playoff team. Yep. Chargers are exciting. 
with Herbert. But everything the Raiders have gone through, I know it's blasphemy to say it. but I agree. Yeah. But that's going to do it for us. Nolan, Danny, great job all week. Same with you, Mace. We'll do it again on Monday. Let's do it. And Monday, we might have some huge news. Real quick, if we don't have huge news by Monday at the start of our show, is that going to make you believe Vic Fangio is safe? Yes. I think we will. I think we will know by midday Monday. Yep. Could be a big show. Yeah. 